All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 89 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ message board. And I'm joined by Lonnie. St. Louis Kiss, welcome back, sir. Hello, thanks for having me back. The almighty Marcus, Marcus Almighty. Mark, good to see you again. And the voice of reason, 69th Blizzard Ken. Gentlemen, we've put the band back together. Wow. um, (laughs) News, well, let's see, uh, a show in Tijuana has been announced, and when is that? (laughs) November 19th? Let's see. 19th? Kiss Monster, the place where you can actually get tour dates and tour info. Shameless uh, plug. Yeah. Sponsored by Tequila? I was actually right, and it's uh, November the 19th in Estadio Gaspart mm. Ooh. in Tijuana. So, Gaspart? Gaspart. That sounds, cl- uh, sounds classy. <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think it's a baseball stadium. Okay. I did actually. Oh, really? I looked at it on... Wikipedia, but I didn't really think Wikipedia would Interesting be, how it could be that accurate. So yeah, you know, I think it's about fifteen thousand capacity. Um, hmm. You know, and that's a week after they've got a date scheduled in Monterey, which makes mm-hmm. you wonder: Are we going to see in the middle of those maybe a couple of Mexico City dates? And would anyone on this conversation be going to any of those shows? Um, Mexico. Me. I don't think so. I'm not going down there for that. No. no. It's just a little far for me. Yeah. Too far. <laughs> yeah. A, little out of, a little out of the way. Too far. Yeah. Says the guy who was actually going to fly to an expo in Sweden for a day and come back the next day. So mm. I was that close, but I'd forgotten one minor detail the wife's anniversary. Uh, oh, yeah. The wife's anniversary. Well, <laughs> bring her with you. Wow. <laughs> No, our, you know, you're right. My my anniversary, and I I had completely slipped my mind. I was like so excited about the possibility of going to Sweden. I was like, and then I saw, oh, oh shit, the date. They can't do ah. it. Damn it. <laughs> so, all right. So let's get into today's topic, and we're gonna celebrate an album today, and it's it's anniversary actually tomorrow on Friday the 23rd is the official release date of Lick It Up. But September could also be the anniversary of just about half a dozen albums in the Kiss catalog, be it The Dire, Psycho Circus, or Animal Eyes, Asylum, uh, solo albums. You know, there's a fair few to choose from for September, but just because of the date that the show's being recorded and the date that this album comes out, uh, lick it up. All right, guys. So... (laughs) Ken, I'm going to go straight to you as the guy who was on the floor, on the ground, yeah. in the Kiss Army, 1983. I don't even remember the unmaskings, so <clears throat> I, I don't know if that meant I didn't <clears throat> have MTV at the time. I don't remember any of that. What do you recall of first seeing Kiss unmasked, and what did it do to your psyche? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the I remember seeing that live. I did watch it live on MTV, so I caught wind of it. Uh, knew they were going to do an unmasking. I was like, oh, this, this is going to be pretty interesting, you know, finally seeing them. Um, so, yeah, me and a few other guys uh, uh, that I was living with in the, in the 
in a home, uh, rented home. Uh, we said we got all down there and ready to go and turned on MTV and and here they are. You know, uh, uh, it was it was interesting. It's like oh wow, you know, like oh, that's what Gene looks like. And <laughs> you know, Paul was okay, pretty much what it, what you expected Paul to look like. Um, and then uh, you know. Uh, Eric Carr and Vinnie Vincent, you know, er, you know, Eric Carr, you know, look great, and, and then Vinnie Vincent was like, uh, you know, he was, almost seemed out of place in a way, you know, just his look. Uh, I don't know what it is. Really? He didn't have that, not that rock star look to me as huh. fitting in with the other guys. But you know, it doesn't mean he can't, you know, play music or anything. But uh, so yeah, it was something. It was very cool and then the the video you know they showed the lick it up video and uh at the time i thought that was very very cool looking back at the video now is kind of a little goofy i like the you know uh in concert part or not in concert but on that little stage that where they're playing i would have rather had that the whole time than the other mumbo jumbo going on uh during the the video so it was uh it was interesting. I was I was all hyped up about it. It didn't bother me them taking off the makeup. I thought, like you know, Paul says, you know, the, the makeup doesn't play the music. They you know they do. So yeah. So here's a, here's a cool thing about the filming. I've got the memo, um, internal memo from that era, and it says that the filming was scheduled to be on Friday the 16th of September, um, and it may well have not aired until the Sunday. Because they had some work to, I think it's always been assumed that it, it first aired on the uh, on the 18th, and that that could probably be checked on the um, you know the TV guides and all that stuff. But it's just so you know the show will basically go as follows: JJ Jackson will open the show. You will be in the background in silhouette. Jackson will talk about your great career, and the 10-minute montage will play. There'll be a match dissolved from a still photograph of each of your faces to your own face live as he introduces you. The interview will take place. Then Paul will introduce the video. The video will play, and that's the end of the show. It's, it's you know, it's it's like here's it was a short, yeah, short, yeah, short and sweet is you know what the memo indicates. You know that they were going down to MTV Studios on uh, West Thirty Third Street. You know, and, and and it's just like matter of fact. Mm-hmm. You know, but you get the debut of the Lick It Up video. So let's talk a little bit about that yeah. video first before I ask Mark and uh, Lonnie about their first encounters with the album. What did you think of that video? You know, I, I remember seeing it early on as as a fan, and obviously we'd already been blessed with Heavens on Fire and the glorious trio that came with Asylum. And this one I didn't see until a little bit later because it wasn't in rotation. I thought it was just... I was like, what the hell are they doing? You know, what is the storyline? The squeezing of food bottles. In, in, yeah, but I just don't get how you get from rock and roll to post-apocalyptic uh, f- food habits. Um, Lonnie, video, impressions. It's <laughs> a bit peculiar. Um, it's a little unsettling, but... <laughs> It sets the theme for what's to come with with videos over the next few years, I guess, with them. It's, you know, just just very, very strange, very odd. You know, they they play, they did maybe their best video off of Creatures of the Night with I Love It Loud, which is, you know, arguably one of their best videos, if not their best ever video. 
and they, you know, went into this and like, I don't, I don't, what was so wrong with just, you know, being on stage and playing than having some, mm-hmm. you know, post-apocalyptic world and, you know, just here's just some random, you know, fires and, you know, it's like, oh, what, what are we doing? So it's, it's kind of strange, but it, I don't know. I guess I've just kind of, at this point, I've really just kind of accepted it because it's just, you know, look at their other videos in the 80s. I mean, they didn't really, you can't necessarily look at, well, they did this piece of crap, but when they went and did uh, their next video for Look It Up, you know, well, they, they really got it right on that one because they didn't get it right on any of the videos for any of the albums in the 80s. So Kiss's video, Kiss was never really good at making videos. Like, All Hell's Breaking Loose is like the same freaking theme. You know what I mean? When they went and did that, it's like continuation. <laughs> all, all Hell's Breaking Loose actually got, won an award. A Raspberry? It was, it was, I think, a same awards at this MTV Video Award or something like a cinematography <laughs> or something. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. What's with that piece of meat that he keeps eating there? I don't understand. He's hungry. Here, let me put it on the fire. I'm a barbarian. I need it off the bone like a man. I need meat. <laughs> you know? I require meat. All you need yeah. in the background is the village people, Macho Man. You know, while, yeah. he's, while he's cooking that meat. I mean, you go from you know. All you need in the background is like a like a. Like a roller coaster, like he's at Six Flags or something eating a turkey leg. <laughs> it's it's like they almost wanted to be licking whipped cream off girls, and they knew they couldn't get away with that, so they had girls eating whipped cream. Better. And that hope that everyone would mentally put the two together. Um, you know, in the video, the the live sequences are really cool. You know, the band. Yeah. On, on ah. like the bonfire. So if it had been a performance video, purely that. I mean, maybe it's just too campy. It's steeped in the time. You know, Twisted Sister, you know, was notorious in that era for having the kind of campy, hilarious videos. And, you know, other bands, Motley Crue went close, I think Looks at Kill, um, and the other one off Shout at the Devil, you know, both kind of had a, a little bit of that edge to them. And then Kiss comes along and tries to do what Twisted Sister and Motley Crue have done and fail miserably. Mm-hmm. Plus, they're uncomfortable at being unmasked, so... You know, I, I think right. as as good as it is is as good as it gets. Mark, I'm a little uncomfortable watching it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I clearly remember this period because my sister, being seven years older than me, I was about ten when this came out, and uh, I remember she was just running all over the house, you know, about this unmasking business that was going on. And, uh, you know, whenever I had the TV on, she was always quick to grab the remote and toss me aside to see if something was on yet from the KISS camp there so she can catch the video. So, you know, I remember missing a few episodes of the Three Stooges while she booted me out of the way to see if there was some KISS on, which was not appreciated. I'm a big Three Stooges fan. But uh, in any case, well... When the video came on, it wasn't that bad because I got the four Stooges then. Because at that point, they didn't really oh. look too, uh, too hip and happening at that point, wow. in my opinion. Wow. But you know, but you know, the the music was good. It's just when they, like Julian, kind of attested to when they came out with that, uh, you know, new look. Only Paul seemed to look really comfortable in it. You know, I mean, mm. the rest of them seemed a little, you know, I don't know. Vinny, I guess because he was so new probably didn't even have time yet to get used to the makeup part of it so you know for him maybe it wasn't that bad but you know i i thought the videos were odd like julian said they were kind of almost you know tributes to some of these other made videos like you know looks that kill and you know you know too young to fall in love and that there was very many parts that were 
borrowed from those videos, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really mind the the songs. I thought the songs were pretty good. I I like Lick It Up as a record, but you know, they could have did a bit better with the videos. I thought. How is Lick It Up for the first single of the first album where you take your makeup off? Is that enough of a declaration of intent for a band trying to move forward as a new band, as a new image? Ken, what do you think? Is, was that the right song? Uh, you know, Let's start talking about some of the music on the album. It, when you think of them saying, this is us in 1983, we don't need the makeup anymore, we're going to stand on our own two feet um, you know, with our music and let the music do the talking. Does it work as that first song? Does it work as that first song, uh, as a single? Um, the statement, making the statement? I guess so. Um, it's one of the more catchier tunes and radio-friendly. So from that standpoint, I'm going to say uh, yes. Um, I guess it could have done you know, uh, something else, maybe a million to one or something. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's the one. Um, I think you have to go with the, the, you know, the possible top 40, you know, kind of song. And, and, uh, you know, that's their statement. They're, they're back. And I mean, it's, it's has the hard sound, but it's not, you know, it's missing the solo and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I guess it, it worked. I mean, that's the best choice I would have thought from the album. Mark, what about you? You think that's the, the right declaration? Well, I mean, at this time period too, a lot of these bands were throwing out their heavy, heavier-ish kind of material out there. So, I mean, you know, while I really love, you know, songs like "Lick It Up" and you know, "A Million to One" is a fantastic song. I don't think that those would have been, in my opinion, the right approach. I almost think that they should have started with "All Hell's Breaking Loose" first because I think that's a bit more mm-hmm. of a punchier more catchier i think it would have sat better with some of the other singles that were out around that time because lick it up being as catchy as it is it's almost borders on that kind of metal pop kind of sound to it whereas all hell's breaking loose sounds a little bit more tougher and rugged which i think like i said i think that just would have sat better with some of the songs that were out and floating around at the time you know i mean even a song like exciter if they would have done something similar like a Mm. video with that song would have been probably a bit better it's a you know upbeat fast you know and i just think that they should have came up with something you know more in your face lick it up is good like i said i'm not dissing the song i mean we've heard it a hundred thousand times by now but you know it's it's good it's a good radio oriented kind of song it is the title track so they kind of wanted to use it i guess to promote the record but i still think all hell's breaking loose would have been a better one to come out with my problem with it is I find it pretty anemic. It's a good song. I've always liked it. I could do with it a little bit less, you know, 30 years on in concert, um, to be to be frank. But I think if you're going for the shock value of, you know, Unmasked, you know, this is Kiss's first single, Unmasked, then it doesn't really matter what you release. You can go with the better song. And for me, it's All Hell's Breaking Loose or Excite Her are, you know, the best of kind of representations of kiss in 1983 for me i would much rather have seen those as the first single says the guy who wasn't even a fan in 1983 but you know it's very easy to be revisionist (laughs) on a podcast um yeah i i just think you're getting more mileage out of being unmasked and having that as your segue whether you're being played by a dj or vj as was the case lonnie what's your thought yeah i don't know i i 
the song is extremely catchy, so I mean, I understand why they chose that as a lead track. It's really catchy, and it's something that, you know, the first time you hear it, you can, you know, pick up and start singing along with it almost immediately. But if you're talking about making, like, a statement, you know, here we are, Unmasked, you know, I think Exciter would have been an excellent choice for that. You know, it's, it's very upbeat, very, very hard, and very... Um, to the point and continues on like where they left off with creatures almost, you know, just a very driving song. However, I don't think it has, I don't think it would have gotten the radio. I don't personally, I don't think it would have gotten the radio airplay that, that look it up did. And, you know, I mean, we can sit here and say, well, they should have chose this song. They should have chose that song, but you know what? I think they chose the right song with look it up because it was a hit for him. You know, it's one of their more recognizable songs, and they still play it live today. So I think, as much as I like Exciter more than I like the song "Look It Up," I think they made the right choice with that being the lead track because it 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 had legs and it continues to be a staple in their in their set list. Not only in their set list, but any greatest hit package has to have "Look It Up" on it because it was one of their you know major major hits, and it, you know it, it gave the band new life at a time when they desperately needed it well here's the problem it wasn't a hit it only struggled well, Julian, it, it, you know, it it only I, went to 66 I, in Julian, the u.s i don't need your details when i'm trying to prove a point <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I guess that comes back to kind of like my my thinking is that it wasn't a hit it was it was like an ellipsis it was like this is kiss unmasked dot 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 whereas Exciter or All Hell's Breaking Loose would have been, this is Kiss Unmasked, exclamation point. You know, it's, lick it up, it's an okay song. It's well-crafted, but it's happy, crappy, clappy, kumbaya, rock and roll, like Shout It Out Loud is for me. You know, it's... it's, (laughs) No, I... It's like like caffeine-free diet soda. I mean, it's just empty. Um, You know, and... (laughs) You're guaranteed, like you just said, to, for it to be on a greatest hits package or live in concert nowadays. But that's because it's another one of those songs that they can probably play with their eyes shut and five broken fingernails. So, yeah, but it's also it's also don't forget, back in the day they were kind of hyping like Doctor Love like that too. Like they had the, that whole advertisement out there saying the next you know big song. You know and they had that little advertisement for Doctor Love. It's almost like they were trying to make their own hits out of it, even though they weren't really hits. You know, and years later they're playing them still because you know they were kind of engraved in our brains like you know with these advertisements and stuff that they were the next big song. You know, I'm, I'm almost right. thinking that they did the same thing with Lick It Up. You know. You know, and when you go when you go to the show, though, I mean, the casual fan knows the song, though. Yeah. The casual fan knows the song. You see girls, you know, singing, "Oh, I know this one," you know. But the casual the casual fan jumps up and and stands up for the song because they it's one of them that they know. I'm gonna, sorry for the I'm, sirens. I'm in. Sorry for the sirens. I'm in North St. Louis, so. Oh, I was gonna say you're not in Charlotte, though. Um, I, I was I was gonna say on that, you know. 1077 The Bone, San Francisco, I guess the Bay Area mm-hmm. radio station. If you're going to hear a Kiss song, this is the one you're going to hear. Simple as that. It, you know, Every time sure. I've really ever heard a Kiss song, it's been Lick It Up. You know, I, I think you're I've lucky. Heard, I think I've heard Shout It Out Loud and Calling Dr. Love once each. And I, I don't listen that much anymore because I've got a USB stick with all my music on in the car, so I don't need radio. Um, let's get into the album a little bit more. Ken, when you 
picked up this album, you know, what was that first impression to the first notes on the first song, which is the glory of Exciter? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I love Exciter. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite songs on the album. One of the, one of the best ones. Um, it was great. Great way to open the album. I mean, just goes right into it. And Paul's, Paul's vocals are, you know, top form. He's pretty much, you know, I don't know, skirting off things like he's screaming, but he, he's really going for it. And then, now this is the one that doesn't have, uh, it's not uh, Vinny on the solo on this one, right? There is or no, am I wrong? There is no, no Winnie Winsons on this. No yeah. Meredith. Rick, Rick Derringer, I think. Derringer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's a well-known uh, guitarist. So, uh, but it was just, it was still great. I mean, great solo. Um, but yeah, just, it, it was like, okay, here, here we are. We're in your face. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what we are now. And, uh, I, I love the song. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I wrote something out about it, but, uh, not much about it. <laughs> it was just so good. The whole thing's good. I, I have no, nothing bad to say about that one. Mark, what's great lead off. What's going to be your take on it? Um, I've always, I always loved Exciter. I thought that was it's one of the better uh, and stronger opening tracks that they've had for you know a while. I mean, usually Kiss are pretty good for having strong opening songs on their records. I mean, I can't really think back to a record where mm-hmm. the opening song wasn't too good. Um, maybe just for. <clears throat> elder but but that was maybe if you consider the if you consider the actual real order if they were to go from fanfare that would have been a bad opener but you know the oath is was good but getting back to this i think exciter is is pretty good i mean it's strong it has a lot of good hooks to it i think more importantly it is slotted in like i said before perfectly with what was going on at the time out in the world of music i think you know when people heard it lots of people are saying yeah you know this kiss is cool again they're 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 starting to forget the unmasked and the dynasty period and starting to look back at kiss being kind of cool again now yeah so here here we are let's talk about rick derringer for a moment Vinny apparently they didn't like his solo i'm just going to play a bit of that if my fucking machine will work (laughs) (laughs) okay Yeah, I, th- that's Vinny's rehearsal on the uh, on the well, obviously the instrumental. So I, I see nothing on that or hear nothing on that that really explains why Rick Derringer ends up doing the solo because I really don't see that much difference. That's that's not a horrendously complex 
solo either to play. You know, there's a couple of dives in there and some whammy shit that, you know, takes a little bit of manual dexterity and motor control to do. But, you know, the rest of it's pretty straightforward. Mark, do you, do you, can you think of any reason why they pissed on Vinny other than pissing off Vinny deliberately? Well, well, I mean, just when you played that to me now again because i did hear it once before and it was a while since i've heard it but um i I liked it honestly i mean i've always been kind of supportive of what Vinny does on record with kiss now let me emphasize that with kiss um he he does some good stuff with them because like i said before i think that when he's kind of controlled and reined in a bit he can play some really excellent stuff and there was nothing on that solo that was bad i mean a lot of the whole beginning of it was similar to what ended up on record anyway it was just the actual physical solo little section part that rated some few different things and it's it sounds like Vinny. And there was nothing to it that made me cringe. You know what I mean? Like when you hear stuff in the Vinnie Vincent Invasion stuff, you kind of go, oh, God, when he starts really going through that whole bumblebee out of control sound that he can fall into. And it's not present here. It's good. I'm just guessing that maybe there was a section or two of the song that Paul or something heard differently. And once he kind of heard it that way, he kind of put his foot down. It was either do it this way or we'll have somebody come in when you're not around and replace it, which according to Ken, is it Ken Fuller? That's who did that. Uh, yeah, I think he did the behind the mask in the book there. It says that they did it behind his back, that they just replaced it. And he didn't, he knew nothing about it being replaced until after it came out. So obviously it's one of those situations again where they probably just you didn't want to argue with them anymore about it just said okay yeah do it and then they just retracted with rick derringer honestly i i would have kept vinnie's yeah i love this one quote from uh, vinnie i think rick's a great guitar player by the way yep yeah <laughs> <laughs> no offense exactly yeah, you know, he, he was probably too busy fighting off the cockroaches in that uh, shitty little hotel that they had him in, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I'm being nice to Vinny today. Oh, gosh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm being supportive. <laughs> like like the like the uh, prop was on the cover of the album, right? All right, Lonnie, what's, what's your take on Exciter? <laughs> Man! <laughs> we need a rim shot here to do. <laughs> um, Exciter, um, one of my favorite tracks on the album. I think, it, like I said, if, if it was up to me, I, I would have made that the lead single off the album. It's, I think it's a it's a great just ass kicking song that, like I said, just kind of picks up where has the energy and gets kind of picks up where creatures left off. I think it's it's a perfect opening track for the album. Um song i wish they would have played more of in the 80s i don't i don't think they can play it now i don't i i don't think today's version of the band would do it justice personally um especially given some vocal limitations today but mm. um i wish they would have played it more i wish we would have had i wish i would have played it more in the 80s like I, w- I would have loved to hear like the revenge lineup do that in about 92 to see what they could have done with it i don't think that would have could have sounded really good with that. That's with that's that lineup. A, I never ever thought that. Excellent. With well, well, well you know, with, with that lineup and his music, that's, that's my. And we all know it's my favorite lineup. But I mean, in in my opinion too, it's the most musically talented lineup that they ever had. And we always talk about like that those '94 shows on and, and 
in South America, how just fantastic and tight the band sounded. I would have loved to hear the band jam on something like that. I think, and and Paul still sounded fantastic at the time. I would have loved to hear some some Revenge era lineup play like a song like Exciter. I think that would have been really cool. So it's it's one of my favorite tracks in the album. I wish it would have gotten more play um, up until the reunion when they just kind of reverted back to the seventies. Yeah, and, and here's the cool part is Exciter was in the set quite a bit, um, mostly for Europe. I think it made it into the first few weeks of the U.S. leg of the tour and then got dropped. So, I mean, on the bootlegs, I always used to love hearing that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was it was one of those things. And, yeah, I would love to hear today's lineup do that, you know, because I think Tommy could do that solo. Yeah. So he wouldn't have any problems whatsoever with it. But I don't think the vocals would be. I don't think the. I think the vocals would be too strenuous. <laughs> yeah, personally, it, it's probably a bit much for Paul now. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't want it to to cost yeah. him a couple of other songs. You know, if he, he tried to go there. Ken, first take on that, and then uh, take us into track two. You know, talk about not for the innocent as well. Okay. Um, well, yeah. I mean, you were talking about the the solo of uh, of Vinny solo for Exciter, and uh, that's the first time I heard it. Uh, you playing it? I guess I hadn't looked it up, um, but uh, yeah, it sounds fine. I mean, I'm used to the you get used to a certain solo because you've listened to it so many times. So I'm used to the Rick Derringer solo, um, but uh, from what I can tell, it, it's not that much different, really, uh, from Vinny's. So uh, I think that would have worked fine. I mean, yes, they did it behind his back. They've done that before, like Sweet Pain and. <laughs> and another other things right so um but i'm sure Vinny. it wasn't because Vinny was out to play play cards or anything <laughs> you know had a card game uh he probably you know he did he he put a solo on it and they just didn't like it for some reason i don't know why so so that's a great song as i said earlier so now you know they have going to the second song is it's a one-two punch probably one of the best one-two punches uh for opening songs, you know, not for the innocent is, is it may be my favorite song on the album. I think, I think it is my favorite song. Um, and I love how it builds at the beginning. So it's a little build. Then the, you know, it's kind of going then the bass comes in and it really just picks up, picks up and, you know, jeans, vocals, you know, top notch, top notch. The whole thing is good. Um, I even like, you know, towards the end, uh, I think one of the last choruses, when they're doing the chorus uh, towards the end of the song, they have a, um, a a droning, a droning guitar going on uh, later in the song. Uh, that's that's very cool. Um, I like that part of it. Um, I, I know I wrote some stuff down about that, but uh, yeah, oh yeah. And then Vinny's, I mean, just a great guitar solo, and he even throws in a little bit of a what is it, a, like an English siren. Or something in that one part, but it makes it sound like you know a siren. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I thought, oh, that's that's cool. You know, it's you know, brilliant throwing these little things in there like that. So, uh, yeah, it's probably my favorite one. Um, you know, it would have been nice to have the uh, the trade off vocals from the original, like the demo, had they yeah. done it that way with with Gene and Paul. Um, but it's still you get you're still getting the great song even with just Gene, you know, singing. And he does it well. So you just mentioned what I was going to mention next, which was... 
And that's, that's the August 82 demo. Yes. I'll just play a minute of this. Preferably a part that's got vocals. <laughs> I mean, Paul sounds badass. But a little strained as well. All right, so that that's a little taste of the... the it, it's out there on YouTube. Um, it's like nothing special. So at this point, but back when that came out, my jaw hit the floor. Oh, um, yeah. uh, that totally blew me away because Not For The Innocent is one of my least favorite songs on this album. I, 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 I had never liked it. I had never been a fan of it. Got it and walked out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I heard this demo, and it made me completely reappraise the song and kind of its genesis and how it really straddles the two eras of the band, you know, Creatures into lick it up and how it transforms and you know now i hear i listen to the the release version i'm like oh, okay it's actually a pretty good song you know it's not going to be one of my favorites ever but i don't despise it or dislike it on the level that i once did so you know it, it's it's really cool to hear how something went from a creature's feel to a lick it up feel yet the musicians are very much the same across both of the albums in most cases obviously there's all the guest players on creatures um the producers the same you got the overall roughly equivalent sonics between the albums with you know lick it up being a little bit more polished uh, a little bit more reserved perhaps than creatures was but you know just fantastic song not for the innocent lonnie um, I'm going to echo what you were saying, Julian, actually. Um, sorry, Ken, but li- Not For The Innocent for the longest time was not one of my, you know, standout, was not one of the standout tracks for me on the album. It just, just kind of, just kind of plotted along a little bit to me and just never really, never really got into it a whole lot. But, um, but, but when I heard that Gene and Paul trading off demos, it just breathed new life into that song for me and. Paul does sound badass on that. And, you know, I was really surprised that that wasn't included on the box set and, you know, mm. what, what their reasoning to leave, to leave a gem like that off of, well, you they know, didn't, they didn't have the reel perhaps, you know, because and, it was and in then private that's collector's hands. <laughs> no, and it's quite possible, Julian, you're, 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 you're probably, you're, you're probably, you're probably dead on on that. You know what I mean? But, um, I, I think that that demo would just breathe new life into that song for me, and to, and, and even today when I listen to "Not for the Innocent," I was like, "Oh, this isn't as good as that demo." Where's that demo? If I'm going to listen to this song, that's what I want to listen to. That's that, that's my go-to version of that song. Is that demo? I mean, it's it's it, to me, it's it's heads and it's head and shoulders above what what appeared on the album. Mark. Well, okay. I'm not going to say that I didn't like it because I actually thought it was a pretty good song, but now taking it, taking a look from it, from the sort of producer engineer part of it, Mm -hmm. I think I might understand why they didn't leave it as a back and forth vocal with Paul and Gene is because, and this is no slight to anybody who has a lisp or anything like that out there. But if you listen to how Paul sings, not for the innocent, he really pronounces it innocent. Like he does like that whole 
kind of thing there. Yeah, but I think that I think they probably listened back to it and thought, you know what? I think Gene's vocal is a bit stronger alone singing this, and I think that, you know, I think they cut it out for that reason. I I really do think that that's why they did that because maybe it just didn't, you know, it didn't they they didn't like that whole kind of raspy s that he was doing on that whole innocent there, you know. But I think that the music part of it. It was actually really, really cool on the demo. It's a little bit more hard hitting. It wasn't as reverberated and processed as it was on the actual album. It's a bit more raw and tough sounding on the demo, which I think right away sticks out more and I think would have really, you know, caught people by surprise that they left it more to that style of production. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with the album version of it. I mean, you got to remember the time again as well. I mean, if they knew you know, 10 years later or 20 years later, people wouldn't be laughing at the amounts of reverb that were used in the 80s. They probably wouldn't have, you know, they probably wouldn't have done it, right? So, mm. you know, because the, the reverberated snare is the great joke in the production world 20 years later when he laughs about, you know, the whole heavily gated reverb snare and curse Phil Collins' name for it and stuff like that, right? <laughs> so it's, but, you know, it was, Kiss are always good with trying to follow what's, happening at the time and that's why it sounds like that but the demo is fantastic i think they should have put it out like you guys said somewhere on a box set or something like that because it's good paul sings it good too like i said don't get me wrong i just really think it had more to do with the style of his singing they just thought that maybe jeans is more aggressive sounding maybe suited it a bit better for him to sing the whole song top to bottom and could we not possibly say that this is pretty much the last gene demon song you know, kind of in that mode, because come animalize, you've got murder in high heels while the city sleeps and burn, bitch, burn. <laughs> they, where, where's the demon? The demon has flown. Um, yeah. you know, he's gone. I mean, asylum. Where's the demon? Crazy nights. Uh, no. You know, no. hot in the shade. No. He doesn't. He, the demon doesn't come back until revenge. Unholy. Yeah. And yeah. and and this is really the demon's last. Last uh, last dance. So we've already talked about, already talked about lick it up, young and wasted. Always, always loved it. You know, uh, we we now get into the the high tempo kind of stuff, the very eighty sounding material that I I dig because this is this is my my youth, my era, this this sort of material. So Lonnie, ah, uh, young and wasted. Um. I'm okay with it. It's not my favorite again. Um, sorry, Julian. It's 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 okay, but it's not to me. It's not it's not really stand out stand out ish in my opinion. It's just kind of it's just kind of there. And and to me, um, a lot of these songs on on this album are just kind of are just kind of there in my opinion. They're not real real. As much as I love creatures, this album. Is not I don't hold it to as near high esteem as I do creatures, because of, of songs I guess like this. It's just it's just yeah it's okay and I get what they're trying to do, but it's just not. It's just not. It's not my kiss, I guess you could say. You know what I mean? Everybody has their own their own kiss, and I'll go back to when I first became a member of of the Kiss FAQ message board. I was really surprised of the members on the board who had who held this album in such high regard because it was the album itself was never in my 
top list of albums because of, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but of young of songs like Young and Wasted and and stuff like that. It was just I, they were never really my favorite songs to make it my favorite album. So I was really surprised by that. But Young and Wasted, nah, I could really take it or leave it to be honest with you. It's not, it's not like high and and held in high regard in my in, in my Kiss playlist or anything like that. Young and Wasted. That sounds like a username I banned. <laughs> one of many and I, I'm just looking at the lyrics there it's like you, you've got the Gene Simmons attitude in this so it's again another kind of song that straddles the errors musically and attitude but lyrically it's just like Gene gave Vinny one of his notebooks full of one liners and said string them in together into a song You know, mm-hmm. here write a song from this so you've got you're branded by the iron you've been cut by the knife there's a monkey on your back <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Like a fly to a spider, you know? It, it, it's just like this is Gene's book of one-liners represented in one song, right? So, yeah, but I still I still like it. So, Ken, I like the song, but though it's not one of my favorite songs. I mean, this song and the next song is coming after it. They're going for that trend of the you know, the, the hyper speed song uh, that's starting to. Mm. go on uh, throughout the uh, metal scene. Um, but I think the one thing I wrote down about this song is it sounded like Gene Simmons, his his vocal cords were going to blow. I mean, he's screaming through the whole song, basically. I mean, just, I was like, oh, God, how, I don't know how his, his throat was after that, but, man, that's just, he was just full bore. I mean, this whole album, he's really, some of his best vocals are on this album, really. Um, and not until then it his vocals kind of go away for the next you know until revenge right so uh this song is good it's not one of my favorites but uh i won't skip it i mean uh, i won't skip it i i still i'll enjoy it but yeah it's not one of the top songs on the album mark from a musician's perspective or any perspective you wish to take well, I mean, honestly, I think that Ken kind of touched on it, that this is those songs where they start doing the really fast, up-tempo stuff. And the one thing I noticed about Kiss in general is that when they enter this time, like this speed in their songs, they start to become very samey, their music, I find. Mm-hmm. that Kiss songs are usually stronger when they're pulled back a teensy bit in tempo because they can come up with much more stronger identifiable riffs I find when they're playing it this fast it just goes by like a freight train and it's just like and you can't even pick up half the stuff they're doing because it's just going by you so quickly I think that as records go on they do a few more of these kind of songs like give me more right after this kind of at that up tempo too and you know, no, 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 and all those kind of songs are like, you know, they all try to go at blistering speeds, and that's why I think that they kind of get skipped by, like how Lonnie doesn't seem to like them, because it's just because they just seem to be very samey, and there's no identifiable difference to them from song to song to song, right? Now, with the whole thing with uh, what Ken was saying about uh, Gene's voice there, I mean, I agree, his voice sounds like it was going to completely blow out on this one, and how badly did it probably affect his singing? Well, we know he gave it to Eric Carr to sing. He never sang in live, I don't think, That's ever right. after. So mm-hmm. that explains how hard it was probably for him to even do this song. And another thing that I was just thinking about as well was 
I'm wondering if this was the first record where they went back up to standard tuning because for the longest time they were in E flat playing throughout the 70s and all that time. And I know they, there was a period where they jumped back into standard tuning, which I have no idea why they would do that as they were starting to sing higher and doing higher singing. Why would you mm-hmm. go up to a little higher of a pitch? I mean, it came back to haunt them big time, as you can see now, right? But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm wondering if that might also be the case too with how Gene might have had a little bit more of a struggle because maybe E flat might have been a better range for him than E natural, right, to sing in, right? But uh, it's it's a good song. It's, again, another, you know, it's Kiss. I mean, you can't knock it too much, but... You know, it's it's not strong by any lyrical standard, obviously. But like I said before, I think the flaw in Kiss at for these kind of songs is that at this tempo, they don't have they don't really kind of mix it up enough to make them, you know, identifiable song to song to song. It's just like a big mush of songs that are at this tempo. So I guess a lot of what, of what point, you Mark. of what you just said could also be true for this next song for yeah. Paul Stanley. All right, enough of that. I love that when I was 15. Um, <laughs> yeah. now, now that I'm not 15, not so much. And that's one where Paul's really pushing it. And I, I'm just looking at one of the set lists mm-hmm. from early in the tour. And, I mean, this was the song right before Vinnie's solo, so it's kind of appropriate that you've got the histrionic Paul Stanley, um, you know, seizure music going, forgive me more, leading into <laughs> Vinnie's solo. It's, it, it's like setting him up perfectly to go nuts, but... You know, nowadays, I don't want to hear this song. It's just too much of kind of the stuff I don't like in Kiss. The tempo, which you've just talked about, Mark, um, it's really noticeable for me on this, even though I'm a child firmly rooted in the faster tempo of the 80s material. So this this one actually bothers me. And I'll go straight back to you on this, and you probably say what I said, you know, for when you were talking about the song before, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the those two songs are almost like brother-sister in that aspect where a lot of the same things that, you know, don't make the previous song strong are in this song as well. It's just the only difference is Paul singing it instead of Gene this time, right? I mean, again, it's one of those songs where if somebody hold up, held up this record to somebody and said, oh, do you remember this record? Chances are they won't bring up these two songs that we just talked about. They'll probably bring up Lick It Up. They'll bring up you know, all hell, hell's breaking loose, but that's also as well maybe because of the videos, so they always have a bit more eye to people, like they remember them better. But I mean, also, like, there's other songs in here too that are more stronger, I think, that would be remembered. And it's mainly because of that. Like I said, I, I'll always believe in that, that when you get up into those high tempos, you got to be a really strong writer to be able to make three or four of those songs in that tempo differentiate from each other enough that people can pick it up and say okay well, this one is obviously a lot different than this one because of so and so and so which i don't think they did on these songs so lonnie what's your thoughts on give me more i think give me more has one of the most classic paul stanley lines in it and as much as we give gene shit for put my log in your fireplace Paul Stanley says, love is sweet, so insane. Come on, lick my candy cane. That's Vinnie Vincent. That's straight out of a warrior song. That is unbelievable. And we give Gene so much crap for his shit lyrics, but that is god-awful. <laughs> 
so that, that's that's my biggest takeaway from that song is how much crap we give Gene. And, but Paul's, and, and I know Vinny, um, I'm sure I had, but Paul still sung it, so I'm still gonna, <laughs> I'm still gonna rag on Paul on that one. So I'm, I'm sure Vinny had a, uh, I know Vinny has a co-write on the song. And, um, it's probably, Vin, it's, I mean, it's totally Vinny Vincent type, but. You know, Paul still sung it, so it, it stopped. Paul had to put his stamp of approval on it because people still look at it as a Paul Stanley song. Because who's you know, Gene or a Paul song? What's well, a Paul song? Is Paul singing? So right, it, um, it, it's a Paul song, but Vinnie Vincent had no his doubt. candy had his candy cane in there. Ah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but you know um, what? Though I think you brought up an interesting point, though, Lonnie, because as far as the co-writing part of it goes, I mean. I think Vinny had a lot to do with these songs. I mean, I never forget mm-hmm. on listening to the Kiss Room and hearing that original demo of "Lick It Up." It's exactly the same as the record. I mean, all they just did oh, is yeah. just said, "Paul, you sing it." So, really, who knows how much Vinny had to do with the rest of the song? Sorry to cut you off, Lonnie. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. But uh, you know, as much as we give Gene crap, I, I think it it's time to give Paul a little crap on that one because that, that is awful. So, but you know, it, you're right, Mark. It's like. It is like a brother sister song to Young and Wasted, where it's like the same tempo. It's just like almost in the same key, probably. And it just sounds almost like, okay, well, that song's over. Well, here we go. I'm going to pick it up and we're right back at it. So there's not a lot of distinguishing marks between the two of them. They're, they're really just kind of, just kind of very, very, very similar. And you, you mean, and you get to the point, and, and I understand what they're trying to do with. The fast up tempo. I mean, remember, it's 1983. Van Halen is huge at this point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, this is you know the, the flashy guitarist. You know, up fast and furious, Double really. Kick. Exactly. So I get what they're trying to do, and they're trying to give themselves a fresh image. They got this hot shot guitar player who's co-writing songs, who hasn't signed his contract, but we still kind of yeah. like him. So. We're gonna keep him going because he—it's very trendy at this point. So I get what they're trying to do. Are they my favorite? You know, again, is it one of my favorite songs in the album? No. I mean, I can't sit here and say I don't like Young and Wasted and say, "Well, I really like Give Me More" because they're so damn similar to one another. <laughs> so it's okay. Again, it's okay. Very cheesy lyrics, but it is Kiss. So that's my take on that. Ken, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, why do, I agree. Why did we ask him to come back? <laughs> this, that last song and the you know the prior song yes again it's I, I would I would well these are probably my two least favorite songs on the album first of all um, plus I think you know Vinny probably came up with those two songs because I think he tended to write that kind of stuff anyway and he probably they probably told him we need to, you to come up with something that sounds like Van Halen or whatever you know. And he kind of whipped out something, and you know he wrote, you know, co-wrote eight, uh, eight out of the ten songs. He yeah. co-wrote, and like I said before, I think this is basically a Vinnie Vincent solo album with Kiss backing. You know, because <laughs> oh. I think he had more to do it than do with the songs than you know the rest of the band. Um, so, so from that standpoint, and then when you were talking about uh, look it up, look it up demo is actually a better version mm-hmm. than the one they put on the album, plus because they also had a solo in it, in the demo version. Uh, and it had that riffing that they do in concert. They actually, yeah, Vinny's version 
they actually use in concert. They were using in concert, not the, the version uh, from the album. They were using the extra riffing and some other things that they did in concert. So, um, yeah, I don't know why they didn't go with the original demo version and, and do it that way, but it's just a little bit of a change. So, yeah, those two songs... Uh, you know, when I was younger, like you said, Julian, you know, they sounded a lot better when I was younger. You know, you're into that stuff. It was <laughs> like the trend at the time. But now it's it's okay. But, you know, I, I don't skip it. Yeah, and I, I think we're making a case here, Universal Music, for a deluxe edition of Lick It Up. Because when you take the original demo, the original demo of Lick It Up is absolutely fantastic. It is to this song what the Crazy Nights demo is to that album's song, in that it is far superior, and a lot of its character and essence is lost in translation when put through the studio. Um, I, I think one of the problems with Gimme More is that it's, you know, Vinnie Vincent trying to write a Van Halen song like Panama or Hot for Teacher. You know, both of those are kind of the screamers on the 1984 album that had come out, you know, what was that, January 83, I think, that came out, you know, early in the year. So, you know, it, it's it, it's a little bit too much of... Actually, it's January 84 those came out. But, you know, in that same vein of music, um, you know, just trying to write stuff that isn't really in the character of the band. Mm -hmm. Kicking off side two of the album is All Hell's Breaking Loose, and we've alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, obviously, the second video, I think the video is slightly better than the first video, but that's, <laughs> that's not saying a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> you know, that, that bar is set very low on this album's video. Um, I think the song's better. I, I think a song that involves all the members of the band has the benefits of involving all of the members of the band, not least Eric Carr, you know, that it brings a different perspective musically to stuff that otherwise becomes a little bit one note, one directional, even the stuff that Vinny's working on with Gene and Paul separately, you know, starts to have that character across the songs, across the two albums that he works on. So I like the different character of all hell breaking loose. <laughs> Lonnie. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. I I, I like the song. Um, probably one of my more favorite favorite songs on the album. It's good. It starts off very. It's a good song, you know, to start off the side second side of the album with Paul doing that little rap to start it off. It kind of gets you going for the second side because you got to remember too, it's 1983, you know, and either you're buying it on on LP or buying on cassette, you know, it was a big deal of what song starts the second side as opposed to just track listings as they are now. And it really sets a tone again for what they're trying to do and what kind of image they want to portray for the band. The, the rap to start off is a little different, but it, but it's cool. And when I was on the cruise that I went on, Paul like sang like the first line of it. And then like, some people started singing it back to him and he's like, I don't even know that anymore. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was entertaining. So, um, I enjoyed the song. It's, it's good. And to Julian's point, it may, maybe it would have been a better lead single cause it is a better song than lick it up. But again, we already had that debate that, of, and why they did that, but I enjoyed it. It's, it's one of, it's not a track that I'm going to sit here and, and rag on like some of the others. So it's decent. Ken, how about you? 
Yeah, this is one of the better songs on the the album. Um, you know, I love the song. I think the first time I heard it, though, hearing that the rapping kind of part of it kind of threw me for a loop. It was like, you know, you know, what are you, what are they doing here? Why are they doing this? But you know, it it grows on you after a while. Um, uh, the other thing is, I really I'm glad you know, uh, Eric Carr is the one I believe came up with the riff for this song. Um, he's been able to come up with some cool riffs on the few things that he's contributed. He always seems to have a great little cool riff um, that he he throws in there. I think he didn't like the fact that Paul changed changed uh, changed up into that rapping part. You know, yeah. I don't think he liked that. He, yeah, he liked his that. own yeah version uh, better. But uh, you know, it still it still worked. It's a great song. Yeah, here's here's a quote from Eric Carr on that. Um, when I brought it to the band, I was expecting Cashmere, and then I hear it was going to be like a funk tune. I'm going, oh my god, what are you doing to my song? But what <laughs> happened with that was I brought it to the band. Gene started working on it first on lyrics because he really liked it. He wasn't coming up with anything that was really worthwhile. Rather than ditch the song, Paul and Vinny took over, and they came up mm. with a working thing for it. So yeah, that kind of says everyone had their or in that water. Mark, what's your take on the song? Well, this song is a great example of what I was talking about earlier, about how Kiss seems to work better at a slightly pulled-back tempo. I mean, this riff right there at the very top is a prime example of it. I mean, when you hear it the first time, you can it sticks in your head, and you can just remember it right off the bat. And I mean, it's so easy to kind of just even hum out to yourself. I mean, you can't do that with Gimme More or, you know, the other ones. You know, your tongue will drop out of your mouth if you try to do that, right? So... It's, but that's what I mean. Like when you have riffs like that, they're memorable, and when they're memorable, people will go back and want to listen to them, and hence it becomes a popular song, right? So, th- because the song is full of that, and even the rap idea, I mean, sure, Ken just said it took him for a loop the first time he heard it, but you remembered it though, right? And that's kind of the idea of what they were probably trying to shoot for in that. It's like you know even though it wasn't something that you probably expected and probably you were taken aback by it, it's still glued in your head and that's part of the win for them, right? Because then you'll, you'll always be kind of remembered for that sort of situation there in that song, right? So I think it's a it's a, it's a a pretty good song. Like I said, the video again, you know, that we already talked about, you know, how good or ungood that is. and uh, But musically, it's, it's not a bad song. The chorus is pretty good and uh, it is interesting that it's probably one of the rare times that it's a complete band songwriting credit for Kiss. You know, I mean, I think one of the rare times, I mean, what, what was it? Love theme from Kiss was one of those, like all four of them, but that's like, that's way back. Right. So, you know, it, it, it's a good song. I mean, and it's, and it still sounds perfect for the time. It's current, even though rap was probably relatively new at this point. So maybe it was kind of an interesting little experiment to put in at the time, putting that kind of style of singing in, because it wasn't exactly mainstream, I don't think, at that point yet. But, you know, it's it's a good song. It's it's one that if I hear come up on radio or in my player or something, I will I will leave it and let it let it play. I mean, well, yeah, I know I noticed your <laughs> face there, but over here in Toronto, there's a there's a kind of a program here that we have on this radio station called Q one oh seven overnight. And from 12 o'clock midnight till about 4 in the morning, they play all kinds of stuff they would never play during the day. And they've actually played stuff like that. And they've played, you know, cuts off of, like, you know, other albums. Like, they'd they'd play, like, you know, 
uh, Saints, Satan, Sinner from Creatures of the Night because I'm going to order Crested on the overnight, you know, play there. So it's it, it has been played. I mean, of course, it's not mainstream material by any stretch of the imagination, but it is still requested and it has been heard on radio. So, you know, it's a good uh-huh. song. You know, if you're going to mix Kiss and Rap, I'll take All Hell's Breaking Loose over Read My Body any day. Um, well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, nineteen, yeah. you know, even 1985, 86, when I'd gotten into the band, I, I had never heard any rap to that point. I didn't know what rap was, so to, the, to me this was just a different style of song, and I, I had no connections with any other sort of music. I hadn't heard Blondie's little rap thing either, you know, by mm. that point, so didn't didn't mean a thing. I didn't know rap until Walk This Way came out, so... You know, with Run DMC, mm-hmm. that was that was my introduction. Let's move on to a million to one, which categorically is one of my all-time favorite Kiss songs. I was absolutely thrilled to pieces when Paul dragged this one out of the closet and put it on his Live to Win tour. Um, that that really made things, you know, a nice circle for me. Just hearing one of my favorite songs of and his vocal performances performed by him live for me. Uh, you know, and, and the rest of the audience. Very, very, very good song. This is, you know, it builds on I Still Love You and sort of the quality of the power ballad emerging as a key component of any artist's album in this era um, mm. and, and does it extremely well. So, I, I, you know, I could go through a bag full of superlatives and just keep throwing them out there about this song. Got nothing bad to say about it. Just perfection. Bonnie? Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more that it is maybe my favorite song on the album. Um, one of my Paul's it's a great performance by Paul's great performance by the whole band and, um, really an underrated kiss song in my opinion, doesn't get nearly the attention that I think it deserves. And to echo what you said too, when Paul played down the live the wind tour, which is God, that's hard to believe that was 10 years ago. But when he played that, I mean, I was like, it was like, Maybe the second or third song they played that night, too. It's like it was really early in the set. It's just like really got me going. I mean, not, I mean, I was excited enough to see Paul Stanley in a, in a club type setting. But man, you're playing. I think they went in the Hydra Heart. And then they, I think, yeah, the second song was Hydra Heart. And then they go into to Million to One. It's like, holy crap, this is amazing. I mean, it was, you were just, I was just soaking it up at that point. It was just awesome. And, you know, not everybody, and not everybody around me knew. I mean, it was, you know, you're in a club, you're pretty hardcore Kiss fans if you're seeing Paul Stanley solo number one in, in a small setting. But not everybody around is, around me knew a million to one. I was just, you know, singing my heart out. It was just amazing to hear live. So, um, but as far as just the album, the the um, track on the album goes, it's it's fantastic, and it's you know, I, I can't say a bad thing about it. And I, I wish it, it, again, it's like one of those songs that I wish it would have gotten more attention than, than it has. I think it deserves a lot more. Yeah. That Paul Stanley solo tour, that was something else. Got to hide your, hide your heart followed by a million to one. And for us in San Francisco got to choose followed that, you know, it was just, you know, and then magic touches in there as well. So Mark, Mark, let's get you on a million to one. (laughs) That's another show. Well, Million to One is probably one of the quintessentially best written 80s ballad that they ever did, I think. Um, it's, it's really strong. It has a really 
strong guitar melody line going through it. And more than anything, it has Paul Stanley at probably one of his better performances that he's done vocally on a song. And it's it's one of those ballads that I like because it while it is considered a, a ballad, a power ballad, you know, it's not sappy. You know what I mean? It's not like mm-hmm. one of those kind of, you know, like every rose has a thorn or something like that where you're kind of like, oh, God, when you listen to it, right? You know, the the, the, the obligatory acoustic guitar beginning and stuff like that. It's like, mm-hmm. come on. This is, they kept it all electric, all kind of rocking, but still kept it in that kind of slow ballad tempo. And it really, really worked. And I, and I think importantly as well, as being that back then still albums were a king, and the whole concept of listening to a record beginning to end was still pretty important. Uh, I think that it fit in with the album and the rest of the material perfectly. And the running order was good. It was it appeared at a good place within the record. And there's there's just like Julian and uh, you know Lonnie said, there's nothing really bad you can say about this song. I mean, it's well written, well performed, and everybody does really well in their respective instruments on this and the production of it is really good as well i mean and they didn't oversaturate it with too many kind of you know you know ballady kind of tricks you know like there's no big thunderous you know echoing reverb whenever he hits the snare nothing to make it sound all sappy right it sounds good it sounds really hard hitting and it's it's a good song you know i think that it's their better ballad i think that if people want to write ballads this is a good one to kind of reference yeah, that's a great way to describe it. Ken? Yeah, this is... You know, this could have been the, the lead-off single, in my opinion. I mean, instead of Lick It Up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that good of a song. And and Paul sings with... And this song, great emotion on this one. You can, you can tell. <laughs> I think he's still feeling the pain from when he wrote the song. Um, uh, it, it was just... Uh, a best one of the best vocals, probably the best vocal for him, other than Exciter on the album. Um, it, it's just, just fantastic. Also, Vinnie Vincent's tasteful solo on this song. I mean, he pulled, they pulled back the reins on him. You know, he didn't go overboard. He kept it nice and and tasteful for the solo. So that's fantastic. And then towards the end of the song, they have a, what I believe is like a key change at the very end. And they go up a level, and, they, and there's, a, there's a new riffing going on uh, towards the, the latter part of the song, which is really cool. Um, but the whole song, from beginning to end, is great. I would never skip it. Just a, one of the best songs on the album. Here's the thing with Vinny. I don't think they reined him in. I I think he knows exactly what to lay down for a song. And, mm-hmm. you know, he he wasn't going to go on a, a whammy bar seizure trip on, on this sort of material. <laughs> you know, simple, simple as that. If you, if you listen to any of the stuff that he'd done basically before 1986, you know, 86 is the, you know, or 85, mm-hmm. 86 is, is the point where things, the wiring gets crossed, shall we say. <laughs> Um, and, and, and he loses all control. But, I mean, you go back to that stuff he did with Treasure. You know, those are just perfectly nailed in pieces of guitar work in the right place for the right duration, um, at the right mix, volume. You know, so, I, you know, I, I don't think there's any dialing back. He knew exactly what the song needed guitar-wise and did exactly what the song required yeah. because it wasn't really about him it was about the song still in 83 mm-hmm. after that all bets yeah. are off <laughs> agreed 
Good now, point. now we get to the tail end of the album, which is, I, I'm kind of going to lump these all together because, for me, they're kind of the dregs of the album. Um, fits like a glove. Dance all over your face. Gene takes all the credit for those, which means he takes all the blame for, um, you know. <laughs> It's just like a hot knife, butter, logs, <clears throat> fireplaces, candy canes. Um, you know, it's just the lowest, the lowest common denominator of lyrical um, <laughs> work. I, I can't think of any. You know, the, using those other words just fried my mind of where to go with that. Um, yet it's a song that lasts in the set list from this album, the second longest to lick it up. All so, the way. It played it every tour from Lick It Up all the way through Hot in the Shade. Yeah, I played it a lot. <laughs> you, you know, I remember. played this. <laughs> can go a little too high. You know what, though? There's one thing about the song that, that that's really bugs me about this song, though. Yeah. Is that is that when the, whenever they've played this song live, why is it that Gene always halts that middle part and goes, Aha! knife and he never does the th- you know it's like why does he never do the butter does, does he re- does he realize that maybe it's a really tacky lyric and just doesn't and feels embarrassed to say through butter on stage or what because every time he does it, it's like he wants you're expecting him to do like the whole bowel after he does the middle part you know there I don't he get it. I don't understand. To sing the the audience to sing through butter. That's I never hear them do it on any of the bootlegs or anything I've ever seen. I've never heard the audi- audience do the through butter. I'm never. sorry. You know, maybe maybe in South Park, you know, they would sing butter. You know, what audience is going to come to a rock concert to sing about butter, regardless of the context? <laughs> margarine. <laughs> South Park. Margarine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> through margarine. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe it's better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Ken, uh, going back. Fits like a glove. Dance all yeah, over I your mean, face. You know. Are we? In, first... Are we into filler? Uh, maybe. Um, when I first maybe. listened to it, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it when it first came out. I thought it was pretty cool. I, I liked the uh, the way they extended his his vocal on it. You know, with their the tricks, making it, the screen go on forever. Uh, in the middle of the song, um, yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed that. Um, I just like to say a shout out to Daniel over in Sweden. This is like one of his Daniel favorite songs. <laughs> this is his song, Fits Like That's a Glove. I mean, I'm guessing this is probably his favorite off the album. I'm, Gosh, I'm gonna guess. Yeah. Uh, so he said, yeah, he's sitting there with a hammer and nails, building his house, humming along to Fits Like a Glove. <laughs> yeah. oh, God, exactly. Yeah. He's screaming oh, yeah. when he hits his finger too with the hammer. So screaming um, as he's listening. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's not as good. I got tired of it. I was like, why are they putting this uh, song in every tour now? You know, it's like, oh, come on, you could could give us something better. There's a lot better stuff they can do. So it's it's okay. I'm all right with it. Uh, it's, it's not as good as uh, when I first listened to it the first time it's actually over time i've gotten more tired of it <laughs> well i'm dance all over your face I, i'm just wondering mm. you played your hand and now you lose well listen bitch i've got news for you is this like a song for shannon wow oh. wow wow, oh. wow. <laughs> hey well, you know, i mean i'm still banned from gene's twitter i got nothing to lose <laughs> the, you know the funny thing is you're talking about how you lump these three songs together I think, in honestly, in all honesty, I think "Dance All Over Your Face" is the weakest of the three, in my opinion. 
I honestly think that out of the three of them, I don't really mind. And on the third, on the eighth day there, because I think out of all of them, I think it's kind of, it, it's the one that has kind of a more memorable chorus, in my opinion, out of all of them. I kind of remember that one the most out of all of them. I mean, fits like a glove. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't know if we're just bitter on it because we've heard it so much, like we mentioned earlier. And, you know, the, the whole dance all over your face is just a bad song lyrically and musically. But, you know, I think that if they would have maybe spent a little bit more time and maybe if they included, you know, a little bit more outside help on on the eighth day, it could have been one of the better tunes out of those three. It, it is the better one out of the three, I think. So, I mean, yeah. it is filler, those three, don't get me wrong, but I think that last song is definitely the better of the three. Here's the thing with that last song, and I totally agree with what you said. I do lump them together just, you know, gratuitously. Um, if they had retained more of the original Boys Are Gonna Rock demo and just kept it straight, you know, as Boys Are Gonna Rock, it would have been a far better song in this form as Kiss doing it than I think it was with Vinny doing it later on his own because he just went over the top on it. But where, if it had the over-the-topness of Lick It Up level... It would have been fantastic. And with Gene yeah. singing it, maybe Vinny doing a little bit more prominent backing vocals on it. Musically, you know, the the pieces are all there. Lyrically, it's better, you know, as boys are going to rock with those sections. So instead of turning it into On the Eighth Day, and I think that's a great song title, a great song concept. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. that, that it, it just got a little bit over-processed going through the recycling machine, you know, being worked on where, you know, the other bits and pieces of Warrior that come through on this album are a little bit more subtle, that this would have been the great case to not have the subtlety of its use. So, yeah. you know, and, and then it would have been a strong finishing track for the album, which they obviously had hoped it was going to be. Ken, what's your take on that? Um, yeah, well, you know what? Uh, Dance All Over Your Face. I mean, I don't skip these last couple songs. I think they're okay. Um, but Dance All Over Your Face, I thought, was like a an attempt. If you listen to the beginning riff, uh, I think it was Gene's attempt to write a, a ACDC song. Uh, it's just, just listen to it next time and think, think about it. Um, it just, I think is an attempt at that, but, um, uh, I, I agree with Mark on the, and on the eighth day, I thought that was a good, a good ender. Um, it could have been yeah, a little better, but I, I'm not waiting till later to listen to the beginning. Enjoy it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it's, you know, I, I those songs are okay for me. I mean, they're better, definitely better than Gene's material. Um, you know, Animal Eyes, for instance. Um, they're a whole level up from Animal Eyes uh, written songs. So, again, I don't skip. I really don't skip anything on this album because I enjoy it pretty much, you know, the whole way through. It just works all together as one complete thing. Nice. Lonnie. Yeah. Uh, on the eighth day, I I can see what they were trying to do. They're trying to make almost like an anthem, third another rallying so type song, um, and it's decent. And I guess I can agree with you. It's of of those final three tracks, it's probably my favorite. But I think we get you're talking about animalize. I think with these last three songs, I think we get a taste of what's to come from Gene um, songwriting wise. I I think it, it's it's definitely filler here, and then 
it continues on into analyze what, what we get from Gene and, and continues actually for, for a little while onward. So, well, I take that back. And his songs on the silent mark aren't so bad, but um, we definitely get a taste of what's to come from Gene for the next album. And it's just downhill spiral. So, um, on the eighth day is decent. I, I like the riff to it. And I, um, I, it, it, they were, I think they were trying to make kind of a rallying cry type song for this new version of the band, this new marketable version of the band anyway. So, um, it's, it's, but it's, the three tracks are just filler to me, to be honest with you, just rounding out the album. But, but for whatever reason, we found the need to play, um, one of them in concert for the next however many years. I don't (laughs) quite understand it, but, Maybe Daniel could give us some perspective on that when he's on the show the next time. Ah, that, if it's like, no, that was sung by Eric, wasn't it? So, what? Well, I can't remember. No, no, no. No. Young and Wasted was Young and Wasted. Young and Wasted was Eric, but, but Gene's still saying. I, I can't even hear that in my head, you know, live. So I must be blocking it out. So. <laughs> trying to, anyway. <laughs> Mark, thoughts on those final three? I can't remember if I'd uh, already asked you or not. I, well, I just kind of, I kind of just, yeah, I, I kind of went through and saying that I thought the the last song was the the strongest of the the bunch there. So, you know, they are a filler, but you know, I think that they're the best. One of the three is the last one, and if they like, if they would have put a bit more effort into it, it would have been probably a lot better than it actually ended up being. So, yeah, no I did talk about, I did talk filler. about, yeah. So. As we kind of bring this to the show to an end, I was just going to do some show and tell on those. I was going to show the Canadian one, which has the cool black and white center ring. Here's my Mexican copy that's got the pink logo. It goes up to 11. Yeah. It's the Vinny <laughs> version. It's pink. And then, of course, the very nice... Yeah. Japanese. Japan, we yes. are we are still wearing makeup. Oh wait, just kidding. Um, you know, always love that overlay. I couldn't find that album. There's a couple versions of that Obi as well on that. Um, you know, cool collectibles. But there, there's you know, I don't think there's that much out there of real interest when it comes to Lick It Up and collectibles. You know, on the not singles, true. the there's the UK poster bag for Lick It Up, and that's backed with Not for the Innocent. Um, Canada, I think it, the single also has the white center ring with the black and white logo on it. I'm not going to cheat and go onto the website and find out. But I, I don't think there's a whole ton of really like cool stuff. The picture disc, now that is cool. That, that album looks good as a picture disc. So, let's wrap this up with some final thoughts on the album or anything that I've not asked or talked about. Uh, Mark, go straight to you on this for final thoughts about Lick It Up. Well, overall, I think it's a it's a good album. I think it's I still like Creatures on the Night better. I think overall, sonically, I think uh, Creatures has a beat just because I think that they actually focused on the production, the sonics of that record because they wanted to make a big comeback at that point, and they kind of you know really focused in on that. And on this record, I think the focus was more on the makeup coming off, so maybe they didn't need to focus as much on the sonics. It's still good, but you know. It would have been that much better, I thought, if it would, if they had a sort of similar, you know, sonic to it. Maybe not as, you know, bass heavy on the kicks, but you know, I th- I just think that would have been better if it had a similar sort of tonality to it. But I I think overall it's a great record. I listen to it quite frequently. 
Um, I also watched quite a few bootlegs from this on YouTube. One of my favorites is the Quebec City show that they have on there. I watched that one whenever I have a chance. And, uh, you know, if there's one thing that there's quite a bit of, I find, is that there's, you know, a good selection of bootleg shows on YouTube from this tour. So that's always a good thing if you're interested in seeing what's going on with them at that point and seeing how uncomfortable Gene is out of his costume at this point, you know. And uh, how comfortable Paul is. It's like he just won the lottery. He's jumping around there so much, right? So, you know, but uh, I think it's a good album. Um, like I said, I still listen to it a lot. And, you know, it's it's a it's a winner in my eyes. Lonnie. You know, going back to what I said earlier, it's, it's decent. It's not my favorite Kiss album. It wouldn't be in my top 10 Kiss albums either. It's, it's fine. It's, I, I don't hold it in near as high regard as I do Creatures of the Night. Um, I mean, here, I mean, we sat here five minutes ago and talked about the last three tracks are just filler. Well, if it's that great of an album, and if someone's going to hold it in such high esteem, well, why are, you know, we, we all sat here and kind of agreed that the last three tracks just kind of suck. So, um, it's 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 not my favorite, like I said. There, there's some, but it does have its moments. I do like Exciter. I do like A Million to One. They're, two great kiss songs but as far as an album goes i think that it's just it's just not there for me as far as um listening to track one through ten there's there's the skip button quite a few times and for me even even though it's listening to my favorite band one of my favorite my favorite bands one of their albums so it's okay but it's i would i would if i'm gonna listen to some stuff i'd rather just pull some stuff off the album as opposed to listening to the album as as a whole so it's it's fine it was one of the later albums i picked up in my going back and buying kiss albums and it's it's just okay in my opinion so you know there's there's other albums out there that you know you you guys might think you know revenge is just like julian you think revenge is just okay usually in your opinion and you know but but you know it's everything what makes us kiss fans there's so many different not only albums, but different styles of music all within one band. So, yeah, you know, it's just and not my kiss. If, and if we recorded the show tomorrow about the same subject, we might have completely different opinions on the songs. And, and that's what's so great about being a Kiss fan and so great about the FAQ message board is that you can go on a rant one day and next day, no, I really don't feel that way at all. Yeah, I, I mean, there's very little consistency. I mean, there are some people who are absolutely adamant straight across the board, but I think, you know, it depends on my mood. Which side of the bed did I get up on on how I'm going to feel about this album? I mean, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I would have given it 10 out of 10 across the board. Now, today, at this moment... Um, you know, I'm thinking there's four really, really good songs on this album, and the rest are either meh to atrocious. Um, so, Exciter, Lick It Up, A Million to One, and All Hell's Breaking Loose. I mean, for me, are those four right now. I mean, and, you know, Not for the Innocent, I've just probably said, is kind of middle of the road, and the rest is, you know, kind of fillerish. So, that is nowhere near Creatures, but I think. You, you get the added bonus of the makeup came off, this is them unmasked the first time, and that gives them a certain amount of, of uh, leeway to get away with it. Certainly, sound, the, the album sounds great. You know, and we go back to, you know, like I said, it's, well, it's not my Kiss, but you know what? Somebody discovered Kiss with Lick It Up, and it's their asylum or their revenge or destroyer or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's just different 
know, time frames that, and different styles of, of the same band that we all love. Yeah, yeah. and, and well, that's that's the important thing. If you could say you discovered Kiss with Lick It Up, at least you don't have to say you discovered Kiss with Asylum. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Ken. Yeah, well, for me, it's it's a top ten album for me, uh, for as far as Kiss. I think, and I've said this before, it it, it kind of is in a tie, roughly. Uh, Lick It Up and Revenge is kind of like a, a tie for me. Those two albums. Um, I, I feel I listen to Lick It Up more than <clears throat> more than Creatures of the Night. Seriously, I, I think I like listen to it more. Listen to me, I like it better overall. Uh, but but it's, I think it's the attitude, uh, something about it that I like a lot. Um, so it's yeah, it's a top ten for me. Um, the sum of all its parts is what makes it a, a, a good album. Again, you know, though I think definitely five to six of the songs are you know probably five are great great songs kiss classics in my opinion on this album so it's a good one i mean there's the lick it up tour um and you know i, I was able to see that too and uh, i was lucky enough though they weren't allowed to use pyro well, where, wait, they, wait where did you see them was that berkeley it was Berkeley Community Theater. Yeah, they kept uh, they kept downsizing the venue. They had to downsize from uh, San Francisco Civic Auditorium. Yeah. Not enough tickets were being sold, so they moved it over to a smaller place in wow. Berkeley. And but Berkeley wouldn't allow them to use their pyro or anything. So Paul pretty much came out at the beginning and said, you know, they're not the fire marshal's not going to let us, you know, play, you know, use our stuff, but we're going to kick your, you know you know what so and they did you know it was a it was a really good performance and they were they went crazy you know running around the stage so uh it was good it was memorable um i i, I love the period um creatures to look it up as a real good period for kiss and for you know the collectors the audio people there are a lot of shows from mm. this tour and you know the the ones where you know Paul's apparently getting pissed off at Vinny for going on forever with his solos. Yes. Um, yeah. You know what? I think that last shows of Evansville. Uh, let me fact check myself because I hate it when I'm wrong and I think that Van Halen's '84 was released in '83. Dumb <laughs> shit like that. So Evans, yeah, Evansville was the last show and. That's uh, an excellent audio recording, and that one's out there. But, you know, there, there's so many shows from this whole tour. I like the ones from Europe a bit more because I think the set's better than it became later on. But, obviously, you don't have all hells breaking loose in there, which comes across pretty cool live as well. So, you know, there's a, there's a great deal of stuff. There's also stuff that, you know, didn't make the album. So, and, you know, I'm going to play a little bit of this did not make the album. But he did sell it to Ron Keel, so. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, the Rise of Rock, is it? Uh, so many girls, so little time. I think oh, the other easier one. Okay. said than done, or something like that. You know that. You know it's. Yeah. It's crap, but uh, <laughs> you know, I think they also said that they tried out another one of Vinny's Warrior songs, "I'm in Love" or "I Need Love," whichever one it is. Uh, yeah. So, 
I, I think there's plenty that could be on a deluxe edition for the salmon, and I would buy it. You know, I may skip. I, I actually I don't skip any of the songs, but I may not like some of them as much as I once did. But I'd love to have a deluxe of this. So, all right, let's wrap it up there. Happy birthday! Lick it up, Vinny. Don't fall over. You've got, mm. looks. He looks like he's got a mannequin stand up his ass. Um, what? <laughs> so, join us on the board on the topic or on YouTube or on Facebook and let us know what you think about Lick It Up and everything that we've addressed today on the show. We'd love to hear your opinions. Uh, and if not, thank you for listening and we will all see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.